Hello, this is Gary Van Warmerdam, and this is the Awareness and Consciousness podcast from PathwayToHappiness.com. This podcast is about beating yourself up, or beating myself up, however you describe that dynamic. And what I want to do is shed light on it in looking at it in a different way. I want to, as, as much of awareness work, consciousness work, mindfulness work is about perception and clarity. This is a podcast where I want to share a different way of looking at this whole dynamic, one that gives you different options in how to change it. So when we are in that dynamic of beating ourselves up, and this happens with people at all levels, happens with people who are attorneys and doctors and successful millionaires, is that they still have this berating voice in their head that's punishing them, telling them they're not doing enough, or they screwed up, they're so stupid, I'm such an idiot, what are they going to think of me? So it's not a measure of success uh, in the grand scheme of life. It can come out in spite of having great success in your life. So this podcast, like usual, is about getting a different perspective on this dynamic. And the actual steps for how to change it are in the self-mastery course on my website. There you'll find a very practical what you do about it process to change it. So this beating ourselves up, it's a common problem people come to me with. And one of the common perspectives people have is that they're the one doing it that it's them doing this thinking, this very negative thinking about themselves. And I asked a gentleman recently, really? That's you doing that? He's like, yeah. I said, and can you stop? He's like, no, which is typically the case. It's like I try and will myself to stop, and I can do it for a moment, but then it just starts up again. And this can be a really dangerous thing, to have a moment of success like that. Because then you think even more that you should be able to stop it this way. And I have yet to meet anybody who's successful doing this. But you have a moment of success and you think, oh, I can do this. And this kind of logic, it's not very well thought out. Because if we took that same, oh, I could will myself to stop, therefore I should be able to keep it stopped is about as logical as going to the gym, putting a bunch of weights on the bar, being able to get that bench press up and say, oh, I've got it up there. I should be able to hold it up there. No, it takes exertion to hold that thought at bay. It takes exertion to hold the weight up. But really, you're headed down a road where where that negative thinking is going to start again. And when it does, not only do you have negative thinking, beating yourself up that you started with. But now the mind goes into this berating, oh, I wasn't able to stop it. I should have been able to stop and I didn't. I'm such a failure. It's hopeless. I'm really weak. I don't have any discipline or self-control. So now you get this story about not being able to stop negative thinking on top of whatever you were berating yourself with. So be very wary of doing things like just willing yourself to make changes that don't address changing the underlying core belief that's driving the dynamic. Because if that underlying core belief doesn't get addressed, the chatter is going to come back. And that's just 
my experience. So then he said something interesting, going back to this conversation. And he said it this way. He said, it's as if the, my mind had a mind of its own. I said, that's interesting. Because I'd go a little further with that and say, your mind does have a mind of its own. And this is something that he, he didn't get. He's still convinced it's his own negative thinking. And this is an understandable perspective because when we think about thinking, we are in the driver's seat of thoughts. We're thinking about things that we put our attention on and we're running those thoughts around. We can direct them. Much in the way that we have manual control over our muscles. We want to go pick something up, move our hand over there, all the muscles move. But that doesn't mean we have manual control over all our muscles all the time. Okay, just hold your breath. And you're going to find that there's an overriding impulse of some of your muscles to take off on automatic mode. When you have a twitch or in your muscle, that muscle is acting automatically. And the same is of our thoughts. We've kind of invested into so many ideas and acquired so many ideas and we have memory of so many phrases and opinions and stories and songs even that sometimes they repeat back and play by themselves. Some people get a song stuck in their head and it just plays, if you want to use that as an example. And so while we can take manual control of our thinking, and, and when we do that, we're engaged in a process and we identify as we're the one thinking, doesn't mean it's impossible that our mind can run around a lot of ideas and project a lot of thoughts by itself when we don't have manual control, something it's learned to do just by habit, like a muscle reflex. So the muscles in the mind, or we can say metaphorically, the muscles in the mind can operate a similar way. Now, for those people who have maybe sat down and done some meditation, you might notice that the mind gets very loud, particularly you try and do something like meditation where the whole, often the idea is to quiet the mind. Well, if you've done this for a while, you may have come to a point where you shift perspective to where you're the observer of this mind and you see that it's talking all by itself. And you have this awareness of yourself as a consciousness that's listening and not doing the talking. And you can hear the mind chatter from, I'll say afar, but at least just this gap that's, that's big enough that you recognize it's arising from it, its own dynamic. This is an experiential perception. And not everybody sits long enough to come to that realization. So I'm going to share another way of looking at this. Because this is key in the process of breaking the pattern of beating ourselves up is we have to look at this differently. Maybe we don't have to, but gosh, I found it a lot easier to change this dynamic with people when we do look at it differently. 
And that is to see the mind as running its own story by itself. So in this conversation with this gentleman beating himself up, quite a successful guy, by the way, I said, take your finger and I want you to use that finger, single finger, and I want you to, with that finger, beat up that finger. He's like, I don't get it. I said, well, well, maybe take a fist and use that fist to beat up that fist. He's like, I don't understand. He's like, you understand what it is. You can't use a fist to beat up a fist. He's like, I can pound it against something or I can pound it against the other fist. I'm like, no, no, no. Just use that fist to beat itself up. He's like, you can't do that. It, it has to hit against something. I'm like, exactly. For something to beat itself up, it has to be in opposition to something else. There has to be a conflict. You can take two fingers and you can pound them against each other. You can take two fists and pound them against each other. You can have two people pound against each other and beat each other up. But a single object by itself, a single entity by itself, doesn't beat itself up. There has to be something in opposition to it. So when we're beating ourselves up, or we use that language, there's got to be one part that's doing the beating and another part that's taking the beating. And since this isn't going on physically, we experience it emotionally, but it's really going on in our thinking. There's a part of our mind thinking in a way that's berating us. There's also a part of the mind in a way taking the beating. I mean, it's common sense that if there's a beating, there's one part doing the beating and one part taking the beating. Let's take this one level deeper. What's the nature of this part of the mind that's doing the beating? Kind of identifies itself in a way of being all-knowing, being really smart, having all the right answers, knowing exactly what should have been done, knowing exactly when it should have been done, how it should have been done. This kind of all-knowing entity really has a vision of perfection about what should have been achieved. It tries to hold us to it. Even if perfection wasn't known in the moment, it might come back later and say, oh, you should have done this and you should have done that. With this kind of all-knowing authority. I call that character the judge. Kind of rules the courtroom, that part of our mind. And really judges us and condemns us. There I go with the word us. What is it condemning? Let's be more specific about that. The part that's taking the beating. You know, when we're taking the beating, we're kind of identified with this part of ourselves that doesn't know anything, got it completely wrong, failed, screwed up, ruined it. And there's a belief that we are this failure. Can't get anything right. This belief that we are that, what is that? That's a part of our mind that's constructed this image. And it's just taking the beating. It's just there to take the beating. And it believes anything bad that's said in the mind about us. I call that part the victim. We can identify with the victim, and when we do, we really feel all that. We feel low self-esteem. We feel not good enough. We feel that and kind of embody that feeling as if it's very truly real. 
even if it's a belief. You can go back to the podcast on what is a belief to get a better insight on that. What I see it as at these layers is not us beating ourselves up. It's a judge part of our mind going on automatic, like a muscle twitching, berating with these high ideals and all-knowing kind of arrogance against this victim perspective, this false identity of a failure that's in the mind and says, you really screwed things up. You're such an idiot. You're such a stupid idiot. I think that's really an amazing thing to say. From the judge point of view, has all these ideas of what perfect is and how everything should have been done, and it's all very believable. So it appears true. Yes. And it speaks with such authority. And when we're in the victim perspective, that part of our imagination that views things this way and imagines ourselves as a failure and being stupid and an idiot, that appears true from those perspectives. But when you step back from both of those, you notice something else. And this is where the story starts to fall apart. Even though we can adopt both, it doesn't pass the common sense test to be both at the same time. We are either a very intelligent person, and if we are, and we we are making a very clear, intelligent assessment of ourselves, and we feel very intelligent in our assessment, and we feel even arrogant, it wouldn't make sense to conclude that we're stupid because it's based on making an intelligent assessment. And if we're stupid, we're a stupid idiot, we wouldn't have known any better. We wouldn't have this other construct in our mind of knowing what we should have done and how we should have done it and how everything should have been perfect. The only way this makes sense is if there's two parts of our mind, there's two images we hold of ourselves, neither one necessarily really being us, one of being this all-knowing judge and the other one of being this stupid idiot, the victim. And these two beliefs of ourselves, we believe that we're one and we believe that they're other, are incompatible with each other. And that's the fight in our mind, that they're pushing on each other. We make a mistake of stepping into it and imagining and identifying with both sides of the argument. It's an understandable mistake given we have no awareness to or perspective to look at it in this dynamic until it's pointed out. We just assume that we're the one doing the thinking all the time. And that there's only a singular person there when it's actually two false identities there. This story only works when we pretend to be both. To be an all-knowing, I'm smarter and I know that I really screwed it up and I conclude in all my intelligence that I'm really stupid. And we shift or can assume both perspectives in this story. And that's what it is, is a story. 
at the same time. And what we are is playing into this story in our imagination, assuming both sides. And it works from the really judgmental side of the judge, and it works from the victim side of the victim as a story. But when you put the two side by side, they don't add up. When you take a step back and you consciously, with awareness, get perspective on this, it is not you beating yourself up at all. Kind of in a daydream where you're playing two sides of the story, imagining both is true. But when you step out of the daydream, you see that what it is is one part of the mind telling a story and the other part of the mind believing the story. And we're pretending to play both. And we're doing such a really good job of make-believe, we don't notice that we're doing it. But when you step outside and you observe it, it becomes less believable. And it's not really you beating yourself up. It is the judge beating up the victim. It's the judge making these proposals and the victim part of the mind accepting them as true but they're based on completely opposite assumptions that either you're really intelligent and have it all figured out and that you know nothing and have completely screwed things up. You see, they can't both be true. If you take one side, you're done beating yourself up. If you say, you know, really, I'm pretty damn smart and I figured it all out. And I know what I should be doing. Then there's nobody there to beat up. But if you're a stupid idiot, you're not smart enough to figure it out. You're not smart enough to know better. So there's no voice in your head. There's no belief system that says you should. And so there's nothing beating you up anymore. This beating oneself up, that's the wrong language for it because it's really the voice of the judge beating up this false identity of the victim, these two constructs of the mind in opposition to each other, they only work to beat each other up if we believe both sides of the lie. They are enmeshed in this dynamic of relying on the other half. When you develop the awareness through whatever system you do or through the, the skills that you learn by practicing the exercises in my self-mastery course, when you develop the awareness to be the observer of this, you step back from this whole game of make-believe, a very painful game that you feel emotionally and can be devastating, debilitating, but it's a made-up story game. Two sides playing against you emotionally. And really, our mind tends to try to figure out which side we're on when really we're in neither. We're not either character of this story in our head. There's other options besides one of those two. A lot of other options. But those only become apparent when you step out of the, the fog created by the story and the way it's currently constructed.
So to me, this explanation, this mental model description of what goes on in our mental state, this kind of map that explains the lay of the land of how we supposedly call it beat ourselves up, which is really shorthand distortion for how the one part of the mind will call the judge berates the other part of the mind will call the victim and we get caught in between two sides of the story. To me, this makes a lot more sense. Because there has to be two opposing parts. It's not happening physically. It's happening within this construct of stories in our head. It's happening in these false identity ways that we imagine ourselves as being really smart and having figured out and being really stupid and not knowing anything. And to me, this explanation fits with what actually is happening. And when you see the truth of this, you are freed up from continuing to play the game. At least you've, you've taken a big step in giving yourself other options in what to do. Some people in this process of dealing with, you can call it your ego, different parts of your ego, the part that thinks we're better than everybody else and knows better than anybody else, and the part that thinks we're less than everybody else. These two parts of the, the mind and the way they're structured, I call them the judge and the victim, they can be formidable. And we pay a heavy emotional price for the way they play in our head. And some people who, who take on this process of cleaning up this essentially garbage thinking, some people will tell you, well, you can't get rid of them. The best you can do is manage it. My experience is absolute. You can get rid of it entirely. The people who say, well, you can only take this so far. You can only get to the point where you, you know, do the best you can to manage it. They share that because that's their experience. They share that because in the realm of what they've known as experience, that's as far as they've gone and they assume that's where other people are. My experience is such that you can completely get rid of those negative thoughts in your head and the parts of the mind that they arise from. It takes work. It takes serious work. My experience is also that it's very much worth it. In the beginning, the first step is to have clarity in the way you perceive it, to step back from this dynamic and, and see it not from the judge point of view and not from the victim point of view, but from this neutral observer point of view. And my course in the self-matching course has several sessions on just building this sense of perspective, very practical ways to build this perspective. And you have to spend time doing them. But as soon as you do, the whole story of the judge, the story of the victim become less believable. And when you believe it less because you have this different perspective about it. The emotional impact is less. So there's an immediate result emotionally. Now some people try and stop the story. I found that to be very ineffective. Because you may try and stop the story, but you're still probably trying to stop it from a judge and victim perspective. So you haven't really made any significant shift yet. You're just going to regenerate a new judge and victim story from those same perspectives. And this is the loop people get in where they, they have trouble making changes about what goes on in their mind and changing the negative thoughts is because they remain in those same perspectives. 
So a critical element is to change that perspective, step back from the judge perspective and the victim perspective. And when you do, you'll notice, you'll begin to notice a change in the emotion. With some practice, you also learn how to scrutinize this judge and victim to see what assumptions they're built on, like the pretense that they're all knowing and a pretense that they know nothing at the same time. And these are two completely opposing thoughts that are in conflict with each other. And that's the conflict going on in our head. And that conflict is one belief about ourselves versus another belief about ourselves. And those ideas are in opposition with each other. They aren't in opposition with us because we're standing off to the side. And so now we're out of the banter. We can watch these thoughts push on each other, but we don't have to be involved in it. Now we're spending a lot less energy being caught up in that storm of conflict. And when you dissect these stories a little further, you stop believing them altogether. You're like, well, that's just not believable because you have the common sense awareness to not believe it. It's just that easy. And when you don't believe it at all, the emotion changes again. Now, the thoughts may still be there at that point, but you don't really mind. And from there, the process changes again to where you can watch the story of thoughts in your mind and you know the underlying assumptions that they're false. And the whole conversation becomes really silly. It's like a couple of people doing silliness routines on stage. It's an Abbott Costello kind of show where one's beating up the other, but it's funny because you don't believe any of it. You know this is silliness talking to silliness. And it becomes funny to watch that conversation in your head. It's not funny in the beginning because there's so much emotional pain. But as you develop awareness and you recover your attention from conflict in the dialogue, yeah, you can get to a perspective where it's really funny. And then you can move on to another phase where the dialogue dissolves altogether. And what you're left with is, is a quiet, empty space there where they used to be berating and a peacefulness. And you can go through this in a fast way. You can go through this in a slow way. Um, each person's speed will vary. And absolutely, all that berating chatter in our head that self-judgment and we call beating ourselves up that isn't really beating ourselves up at all. And all those voices in our head can be completely dissolved. And that's my experience. And that doesn't mean that you won't be able to think. You'll still have thoughts in your head, but they'll be directed thoughts, clear thoughts. And you won't hold beliefs that are incongruent with each other and conflict with each other that create conflict and confusion and beating each other up. And when you do grab two incongruent ideas, you'll notice it. And you'll do something about it. You'll be able to do something about it. Hopefully you found this little bit of insight and perspective helpful. 
a different way of looking at, perhaps with more clarity and detail, what goes on in our mind. And less distortion than just saying I'm beating myself up because that description gives us an inaccurate understanding and limits our choices in how we go about changing it. And as we have more detail, more clarity, more awareness, we can see different options that we couldn't see before. If you are interested in the practical steps of how to change this dynamic or other ones like it involving some negative thoughts, beliefs, and emotional reactions, the step-by-step process is available on my website under the self-mastery course. The first few sessions are free, so you can try it out and see if it fits for you. These exercises are also explained in my book, MindWorks, Guide to Changing Thoughts, Beliefs, and Emotional Reactions. My book is available at all online retailers. You can find it on my website as well. This is Gary Van Wormerdam from pathwaytohappiness.com. Have a great day.